All right, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. I'm sitting down with my two main men of fitness. The day after the CrossFit Games have wrapped up, one or two days after the CrossFit Games have wrapped up, we're recording this episode. We're going to be talking about our thoughts on the programming, our thoughts on the events, our thoughts on the winners, our thoughts on the losers. Well, there's no losers at the CrossFit Games. Everybody comes in first place, right? Because it's just you're not an honor. first, you're last, baby. It's an honor to be there. That's right, Ricky Bobby. But Max, you were going to run down the uh, the winners for us here, the top placements on the male and female side and the team side. So who do we have here? Got Jeffrey Adler, Patrick Vellner, Canadian, Roman Krenikov on the men's Russian guy. On, uh, actually. It it does say that he uh, competed he for the is US. American. They changed his flag halfway halfway through the competition. Same same uh, colors. Same colors. And on and on the women's side, uh, Laura Horvath, Emma Lawson, and Ariel Lowen. And on the team side, Invictus. We got. CrossFit Invictus, CrossFit East, East Nashville Proven, and CrossFit Oslo Navy Blue. So, and Rich was, didn't uh, compete in any in any of the team competition this year, right? He, this is his first year not competing in the team, right? That's correct. No so, Rich Froning, no Mayhem. Yeah, uh, no, there there's still a Mayhem team. They came well, in yeah. seven. They came in seventh. But is there a Mayhem team without Rich? Let's discuss. Um, no, I mean, come on. Like, can we be 100 percent serious? Nobody cares about the team competition. Um, like, <laughs> oh my I, goodness! I, I mean, you're coming in hot right away. Coming in hot well, right away. The uh, there was a lot of controversy so, this year with the adaptive athletes, the teen athletes, and how so, those uh, competitions were covered. Well, the the team programming is the least exciting stuff to watch because you have no clue what's going on. None of it is very user friendly in that it's not, I, I don't think a lot of the events are incredibly fun to watch. And I, I'd also say that even a lot of the individual stuff wasn't that much fun to watch this year. Although I did think that a lot of the workouts were pretty cool. What do you what think James teams went to pairs? You mean just uh, two, two, two people back and forth? Yeah. As opposed to how many it is right now? Is it four? Four. I four. Just, is the pairs two male, two interesting female? format? I think I mean, the, in the team competition, the less amount of team players that you have, the more exciting it could be because the more you'll be able to understand what's going on. And obviously, if you reduce the amount of people on the teams, you're going to get a higher caliber of team on the floor at all times. So if you only have two people on a team, those two people essentially could be almost individual competitor level athletes. There's that's the talent pool is deep enough for that. But once you well, get that's to the, that, the fourth sorry, person, sometimes it's a little bit tougher. Keep going, Max. No, that's the way it is now. All the all the top, I, I'd say the the top teams, they they could all probably qualify individually or almost individually on on their own. I mean, think about. I know at least like Tim Polson, right, was on was on uh East Nashville proven. Mm. He's a he's a games athlete. Uh I don't know a lot about the female the female athletes on Invictus, but the two male athletes on Invictus are very capable. And I think they might also be pursuing an individual career after this. Mm. Um, but James, when it was a team of six, there were more workouts that were programmed as teams of two, correct? Like there were there yeah, were they're... more Sorry, like go pair ahead. Re- no, they, you're right. You're right. They would do a lot of like pair relays and like um, three person 
relays. Um, but I, you know, I kind of agree here and um, I'm not a great guy to ask this question because I'm kind of a, my, 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 my man game when it comes to sports watching, like I just, as I've gotten older, I just care less and less for sports in general. So, you know, even once okay. I okay. CrossFit's not a sport, but keep going. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Oh boy. I would like to see, you know, the, I didn't watch a ton of the games, um, but I did watch, I watched the final male heat, final women's heat of the final day. Um, watched a couple other things, but anyway, I really like when there's just 20 people, I think only 20 athletes should qualify to the games, men and women. And I don't want to discredit anybody's effort. Mm. Um, cause I was never a great individual athlete. And I was also in the sport early on, which made it easier to get into it. Sure. But, um, man, from a fan perspective, if they just rallied around an event and I'm not saying you like totally never do an adaptive competition again, and you never do an age group competition again, but man, if they just had an individual final um man i think that'd be so fun to watch the only down the biggest downside aside from you know shining a light on those those corners of our community that i think are really exciting and expiring as well age group adaptive so on is that having so many different divisions it really allows the games to be a festival and even though i'm not someone who loves to go watch Mm. the games or sports being at the games is so fun it's like there's always something to do and it's, it's just, it is, it has a good festival experience. So I, I would worry if they just narrowed it down to individuals, there just would be such a shorter competition. It wouldn't have that festival feel. So that's always in the back of my head, but that's, that's where, that's how I look at the whole thing is like, well, what is the event like from, cause I've moved on from that athlete side. Like, what is the event like from a spectator side? Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm with you in that going to the games is an absolute blast. And- so sure. Um, been there, been there as a coach, been there as a spectator. It's, it's a ton of fun. There's like, you're right. It's, it's a festival experience. I think that the experience when you're there is amazing. I think that the viewer experience, whether it be, you know, online or on ESPN two is, is terrible. Um, because it's, it's one of these things where it's really about being there in person like that. That is, um, what I think is, is the best part about it. I do like what you said, like, I would like to see, I don't think that you have to cut out the age group. I don't think you have to cut out the team or the adaptive, but I think that on the individual side, 20 people from start to finish on the male and female side sounds like the right move. I hate the cuts. I think, I think cutting athletes um, changes, changes a ton. I think just from a scoring side, when you cut athletes, it, it essentially like prevents, you know, like a, like a home run style hit from one of these athletes that's in 30th or 40th. Right. So you, you, you keep narrowing down the field and now these 20, you know, 20 competitors only have to worry about these 20, how much more interesting would it be towards the end where you have 40 athletes doing, doing all these workouts. Now you really have to put out your, your best effort to protect your points. Right. Like I think that there's, there's something behind that. Um, the the other thing, and this is this is what happened this year was, um, I I forget forget the athlete um that that got cut on or that that got injured on the female side. It's Justin Medeiros's girlfriend, uh, um, Ellie Turner. Ellie Turner. Ellie Ellie Turner got cut, and then the next athlete up was allowed to compete. That that to me was like 
one of the many red flags of the CrossFit Games. So you were miffed about that. What, what, you know, you what got you so puckered on that? <laughs> puckered up. Uh, <laughs> um, she didn't earn her spot. She shouldn't be allowed to to compete. If if somebody if there's a cut line and this person was underneath the cut line and then somebody drops out, why is she then allowed to be bumped up? She didn't qualify for that spot. She didn't have right to be mm. there. You should have the field now at 29. I think that's what it was. I think it was the cut from 40 to 30 maybe, or if it's from 30 to 20, there should be 19 female competitors. That that to me is an unfair advantage. Just because somebody drops out doesn't mean that the next person gets bumped up. That's not how things work. Well, so hold on. It depends on the rules of the competition. That's what well, that's it really a, de- rules that's what it really depends on rules. I, I don't they don't have the, any rules. They don't no, have any is, rules. Roads where we're going, we don't need, we don't roads. need roads. No. Um <laughs> I think the rules are really important. Gigawatts. And I do not know the rules by the book for the CrossFit games. But in terms of cuts, just in general, what my opinion on it is is that I am in, if they're going to have a field that big, if you're going to have 40 athletes to start, you better be cutting that field down as you get towards the main event on Sunday, because it's just agony to watch all of those heats when you have people who are way outside of the realm of possibility to get within the point leaders or the podium. It might influence like the standings below 15th, like 15 to 25 or whatever, 15 to 20. But when you're going into those final final days, often it's not so competitive amongst the top 10. It's like competitive amongst the top three or the top four or wherever. And sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes you, it's already locked up and it's kind of for not, right? Like we had a situation with Roman Krennikov, what we, we wanted to talk about in which he got injured on an event, was it on the last day? Last day, first uh, event. Yeah, yeah. Last day, first event, right? Got got injured. And then essentially was just on the floor for the rest of the events. And I didn't watch all of it, but Max and James, we were saying that he didn't essentially do a lot of the work or the workouts that happened after that point, right? He went out there, tried his hardest, showed a whole bunch of grit, showed a whole lot of uh, heart. But there were other athletes who completed those workouts and blew him out of the water way below where he was standing. But he still yeah. stood stood on the podium at the end of the day because he had built such a hedge in terms of his lead. He, he's the I mean, third fittest man in the world and didn't participate in most of the last day. I, I want to I wrap up. That's not totally correct. Well, tell me what's um, totally correct. Tell me. But I do want to wrap up something. So I, I I guess I agree with you guys. Like maybe, you know, you keep the games like this festival experience with multiple divisions, but I do like the idea of less individual athletes. Um, I don't so think the game should stay multiple divisions. I think that, mm. I think this year exposed a lack of resources being able to broadcast those indivi- those types of athletes and events on the larger scale. And you saw the community react in a really harsh way to the adaptive athletes and the teen athletes, masters athletes, not getting the type of coverage that the individual athletes are going to get. Ooh, James has got a little kiss right there. Podcast kiss. I like it on air kiss. Hot. Um, Oh, no tongue. It was just a little peck. It's good. You're allowed to kiss on, on the podcast. We can kiss each other on this podcast. Um, Real homies kiss each other. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but I think that what we should do with the games is we should focus the resources on the individual competition and maybe the team competition. And I, I'm not trying to offend anybody, but those are the things that really bring in a lot of the additional resources, funding, sponsorships, and all that kind of stuff that go along with the CrossFit Games. It's the main event. The individual well, open division is the main event. Who says that you have to broadcast the the age group? And who says that you have to broadcast the 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 adaptive or the teenage division? Like, what? Why? Why does that even have to happen? I agree. Like, I agree. I, I, it's a tremendous I, I think, amount of resources to do that. Right. It doesn't, it, it is, it doesn't, I, it, it doesn't make their, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I think it's no, a really good thing to talk about. Um, it, it it doesn't make their accomplishment any, a, a, any like less valid or important. You can still make it to the games, but how, like, why is well, that such a hard, why is that such a hard thing to say from the CrossFit side? Like you just said, MDV, like, Hey, you know what? Like right now we're going to pour all of our resources into the individual, into the team side. We really want to grow this thing. We really want to grow the following We're you know, we're trying to legitimize the sport. And right now for, you know, what we have going on, we're not going to be putting, you know, a budget towards this. Imagine if they had said that beforehand, as opposed to the footage that they put out there, which was lackluster at best, right? I mean, if you're upfront and honest from the beginning, then people can go ahead and, and they can they can choose their side, right? Yeah, but I, I, but I don't think that would have happened. I think you would have heard. I mean, it's 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 hard knowing. It's it's tough telling not knowing, right? But there was a tre <laughs> tremendous backlash. It on it's tough. It's tough telling not knowing. That's tough from everybody's mouth to your ears. It's tough telling not knowing, but there's a tremendous backlash on all of the social platforms from those divisions, from, from the people who support those divisions, the family members, the friends, the, the gym owners. Like if you read some of the comments that are up there about the, the masters and the adaptive um, competitions, they're, they're pretty harsh. They're coming at CrossFit's throat for those things. And I'm not saying that they're right. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. What I'm saying is that we just have to be real about this. Like, let's just take a step back and be real. Th those fields, they have amazing athletes and they accomplish amazing things, but the viewership just is not there to support the type of funding or support the type of resources that it would take to pour into streaming nonstop with that kind of, um, with those kind of cameras and that kind of announcing and all that stuff. I just don't think that it can support it. It's, it's I mean- it's just, it's so, it's like thinking about all different types of leagues and sports and saying that, all right, we're going to have an NFL division that has a teen NFL division and a master's NFL division. And like, they just don't support the kind of resources that the top individual competition does. What do we really think the viewership for the CrossFit games is overall? Like, I, I, and and again, James probably has more information than all of us because you know you've at least competed at the games multiple times and you've you've been there. But like, how many people do you think are really tuning into the CrossFit Games in in general? Right, like the, more this, for the, the individual side than for the other stuff, which I just right, think is but, a fact. I'm but, not saying that this is an right, opinion, but, but I think it's a fact that the viewership is the highest and the interest is the highest for the open male and female competition, the top 20 athletes in the world, who's going to be the fittest. That's what we're there to find out. Right. And if I've learned anything, opinion is almost always fact. And so, always. um, 
no, it's it's still a subculture. It's still a niche, right? I think it, I think it was amazing that they put the couple of the final heats on ESPN two. Like that that was awesome. I thought the I thought that coverage was great. But again, I I don't think that this is an event that a lot of people outside of the CrossFit world are tuning into. And I certainly could be wrong, but it's 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 very far from mainstream, which is mm. fine. That that's just what it is. It's not the same way that, oh, I don't know, people are waking up at three, four o'clock in the morning to watch the women's world cup, right? Like not like, the general public for CrossFit, but diehards are for sure. There's right, diehard right. fans. It, yes, yes. There's there's diehard fans for everything. If there's if there's you know something you're into, there's a subculture that supports it, right? Reddit will tell you that. Um, <laughs> no, I just think. Um, well, last thing that I'll, I'll pass the mic to 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 James to get his two cents on this. I mean, I agree with you. The past however many times I've been to the games, it's been coaching either an adaptive athlete, big shout out to Liz Bride, or a master's athlete, shout out to the nicest and hardest working man in CrossFit, Dave Hamill, master's athlete, had the pleasure of coaching both of those people and being at the games and coaching them, the experience of watching them compete, the fans that there are for the adaptive and the the age group side. It's amazing, right? The the family, the friends, the the gym, the box, all that stuff. Supporters are crazy. But but again, now we're talking about where where you're putting where you're putting money, where you're going to get the best bang for your buck. So I think it's I think it's hard to figure that whole thing out. James, what do you think? Um, I think we'll know a lot more about who's watching it and how CrossFit familiar familiar they are after this year, especially being back on ESPN. I think the two big questions I think about in context of this is one, um, there is a probably a community expectation and history of us broadcasting, drawing media attention to adaptive and, and age group athletes. So how do we handle that going forward? And what do you guys think about the argument that like, hey, if we're going to get new people to do CrossFit, the most inspirational stories are the adaptive and the age group athletes, or they're the, they're they're more relatable than these um, otherworldly individual athletes. Like, and I know I know Matt and I kind of butt heads about whether or not the games draws people into CrossFit or or pushes them away. But um, I think there's an argument to talk about there. Is Masters athletes, for example, is that is that in, is that inspiring or getting anybody into the into the doors of an affiliate or to go to CrossFit.com or wherever try a workout may you know don't don't care where you do your programming do CrossFit somewhere, um, you know and if that's the case let's say you do boil it down to just individuals um, next year what do we do about adaptive and age group right because there is a large still a relatively large participatory group who want to compete in those divisions. And how do you yeah, get I them to grow I, if you don't draw attention to them? Yeah, these, yeah, these are all, these are all good questions. They're tough questions. We don't have all the inside information to make these judgments. Obviously, it's also not our job to make these judgments. We're just kind of pining over our opinions here on what what's going to go on with the CrossFit Games. But I, James, I, so first of all, I do think that if you're if you're talking about masters and adaptive and teen athletes. I do think that, yes, those divisions have the potential to draw in those communities to the sport, 100%. I think that that's obvious, right? I think if there's like peer validation there. So if you're somebody who's in that age group, who's a hard charger, and you're looking at this and you're going, wow, I think that 
I could do that stuff. Of course, there's a natural inclination for those people to seek out a CrossFit gym and maybe go try it. And the same, I would say, for the individual side, where you're looking at people and you know you have athletes or hard chargers, or you have people who want to go and try it out, or they get inspired by the things that these people are doing, and then they go try it out in the gym. I just don't know if the CrossFit games, where you're trying to find the fittest person on earth, is necessarily does it necessarily need to be the same venue for all of those groups? Or can you have the individual competition with maybe a smaller field, a little bit more concentrated coverage, and then maybe have other types of events, satellite events that honor these athletes or put them on the stage to compete? I just think we're always going to have these competing interests within the sport of CrossFit at the CrossFit Games, where you have this conflict between the individuals being the main thing. This is the, it's the moneymaker. It's the main event. That's why all the judges and all the athletes and everybody is turning their attention to the individual field at some point. Not to say that the other fields aren't important. It just is tough to provide the same level of experience for all of those athletes. It takes a tremendous amount of resources to do that. And it just might not be in the cards. So I think we're arguing over or not arguing. I think we're discussing over the fact like should should the games highlight those divisions or should it be a, a, a bit more restrictive in terms of, hey, we're just going to look for the individual athletes and then we have these other events that you know the master's community or the adaptive community or the team community can come out for? You know, I personally, you know, having been come a little bit closer to the master's community, I think there's a lot of resources inside of the master's community. I think they're, you know, master's fitness collective legends competitions, what mayhem does for their comp. I would actually really like to see like a licensed fucking huge standalone master's competition, you know? It's yeah. Just, I think it would be great. Uh, we're just it out there slinging Met Metamucil and uh, spray tans. <laughs> Jesus. And, sweet um, sweet I, ones. All joking so the aside, fucking master starts aside, at 35. I think it could be an, I think that could be an awesome festival. You know, it's like to get all the, you know, all the retired masters athletes out there and all the, you know, the 35, 39 masters athletes Dude, and I don't Sam know. Dancer. I, I think that would be amazing. amazing. Sam Dancer probably could have competed in the individual field. Yeah. Wow. I think that's he, next year. Yeah. Next year. He, 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 crushed he, he it. had a, he had a great games. Dude. He is the, first of all, the nicest man in the world. The nicest. I met Sam Dancer and his wife one time. I'm not, I've met them many times, but one time I met them at Reebok way, way back in the day. And they were, I think, cruising the country in a van. This is many, many years ago. And, you know, Sam, obviously a well known competitor, his wife also a tremendous athlete. And this is back like 2015, 2016. When we were working at Reebok, you know, obviously a lot of athletes would roll through. And one of the things that working there, you found out really quickly was like, who treated you with respect and who like just walked right past you and then like went and did their thing and then like walked out. And Sam Dancer, I have to say, was the most fucking polite individual I have ever met in that capacity, man. Asked permission to use everything, like asked if we wanted to work out, asked if, you know, could we park the van here, all this stuff, man. And every other time that I've ever inter interacted with Sam the nicest guy has a lot of really positive energy. So I'm super, super stoked that Sam had a tremendous games this year. 
Yeah. And he came back from injury. You know, for me, it's like, as I get older, we were just kind of talking about this. When I see people have like an injury or get a surgery and they come back from it and they're fitter or happier or healthier, whatever, mentally, physically, it gives me so much hope to like, as I get older, because like, I've said this before, like, so afraid of getting older, you know, it's just like, cool, I'll just, I'll just die at 40. But it's like, I will say that that's what the master's community is so uh, inspiring for me. It's just like, I worked out with my mom this morning, I worked out there this week. Um, and she did, uh, she did 90 GHD sit-ups happily walked away. Not sore. She's 63. Yeah. Um, what if was I did the, 90 what, GHD what, sit-ups, what? I'd be, I'd be sitting in the corner of my living room crapping myself, you know, like, <laughs> all the abdo, just abdo nonstop. <laughs> What she was actually the hasn't been able to get out of bed for the last three days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it makes, it makes me excited and it makes me less scared. And also excited that my, my body continues to be fit as I get older. Um, the workout was 10 rounds. Um, too many. Yeah. Rounds and then shout out Sam dancer. Awesome name too. He should name one of his kids like jazz, like jazz dancer, break tiny dancer, dancer. Anyway, backflip, tiny dance, tiny. Dancer. I think his, I think his daughter's name is belly. <laughs> yes. that's good Belly dancer. um what was the workout oh the workout ten was 10 rounds. rounds um so cassandra did 10 rounds five muscle ups six strict hands uh six single arm overhead walking lunges and nine toes to bar and my wow. mom really liked it so her the version she did was uh 10 rounds three pull-ups six single arm overhead walking lunges and nine ghd sit-ups and um she smashed it man oh yeah that's cool hell yeah we had a few um, more things that we wanted to talk about in terms of well, the games I also wanted to talk about the, the, the rules of the games. I don't want to go way into this, but I think, you know, Roman competing, athletes competing injured, should that be allowed? I think there are a lot of other sports that have like set rules, but they have governing bodies like Formula One race stewards. Um, you have refs in boxing. Like they have a lot of other yeah. governing bodies that definitely intervene. And there is this, I mean, refs in, in, in uh, team sports, there is this human element where the rules there are some cases that, that fall kind of in this gray area. And I think you need that human element to solve them. Um, and so while I think the games is still a growing sport, and that is to say, and I think people who run the games realize this, so there needs to be maybe more consistency year to year, and they need to continue to flesh out clearly what the rules are. I still think there are some areas where it's like you need to have, whether it's a, a governing body or a group, that make these on-site decisions. Like, what do you do about a Roman? And because for me, as an athlete who looked at sport, CrossFit, competing in CrossFit as a way to like make money potentially and make a living or have career opportunities, I actually think, and it's not boxing, we talked about this. He's not gonna get like punched in the head 80 times and have brain damage for the rest of his life um, or die. He's gonna, his foot might be fucked up a little extra longer if he competes on it. Like there's money on the table. If he wants to compete for a, you know, I think he should be allowed to. Hold right. on one second. I'm, so we're talking. So Roman Krenikov lot, got sorry. injured. He got injured on the final day of competition. Something happened with his foot or his ankle. So, we already talked a little bit about this, but I'll give you the specifics because I because I actually watched the whole thing. Okay, so give us the specifics. So he injured his foot on the the last obstacle in the final round of that muscle up sandbag workout. First off, that workout is incredibly dangerous because you're tossing sandbags over a log. And at the end of the workout, when the athletes are the most fatigued, they're using the heavier sandbag. And so at the final log, You've tossed over four sandbags already. So those are on the ground. And then you toss the last one over. And then you're having the athletes jump over that log. 
what they should have done was there should have been a designated area where all the sandbags go over and then a designated area where they're supposed to jump over. That's not keeping the athletes safe. That 100% should be happening. Again, I think it, that was incredibly dangerous. And he didn't step on a bag. He stepped down on the ground. No, he did step on a bag. What I happened watched was the replay, man. Okay, I've watched it 19 times this morning. Okay. I've watched it so, 20. Okay. Well, there you go. So, so it actually, no, it actually looked like he rolled his ankle on his right side. So his right foot hit, then his left foot hit the ground. So there was contact with the sandbag. Believe me, I watched it. It's all right. It's all right, James. You can take a sip. Um, I watched it too. I think you're wrong. I'm going to go, I'm going to watch it later, but regardless regardless of how he injured his foot, he injured his foot. He injured his foot. He cupped his foot. Footgate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) He likes to wake up to the smell, smell of bacon, <laughs> crackling bacon every every the morning. Smell of and he, burning and he sandbags. Grilled, he grilled his foot in a George <laughs> Foreman grill. So, um, so then he he hurt his foot, and then he did the last two workouts essentially on on one foot. The second to last one being this uh, parallel bar traverse plus weighted double under plus um, sled pull. And then the final event, uh, echo bike thruster with a lunge. My argument to this whole thing is that every workout should have a minimum work requirement. And if you can't do the minimum work requirement, you can no longer be a part of the competition. So, and this isn't just for the final event. This should be for every event. There should be a you minimum think you work get requirement. cut out of the competition. They've done this before, and they've done this before off of like judging, like eyeballing somebody's performance. This has been done before where people have been DQ'd for not not essentially doing the minimum work requirement. I well, this happened my to whole, Nor, Nor, team NorCal and Miranda when Miranda uh yes her, her ACL, right? They told so, them yeah. that team couldn't compete anymore with five athletes and Miranda just standing on the floor and they had to be DQ'd. Right. So my my whole thing is this. If this is going to be a legitimate sport, and this is taking us all the way back to, to, to viewership and getting people to tune in, MDV's flexing on us, which is great. Um, there need to there needs to be a standard for everything. We were all we were all texting this weekend about you know the the 5k. James is like, I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. And I don't care from the from the competitor side if it was a 5k or 4.5k, whatever. It, yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter to me because everybody's doing the same, everybody's doing the same distance. But that to me is another red flag that this is an illegitimate sport. It's not a real sport because when you go, at, when you go to play football, you don't go ahead and say, oh, the, the field's a hundred yards. Nah, psych, it's 96. Like that's not how it goes. So these are just things that you have to do to make this thing legitimate and real. There needs to be a real rule book. What's the minimum work requirement on all this stuff? I brought up BKG. I think BKG is a spectacular competitor, right? 10 years in the game. The guy is an absolute legend. He goes ahead. He clean and jerks 95 and snatches 95. Then the next day, he's carrying a sandbag that's 150 pounds and 200 pounds. That doesn't add up to me. Like that, that to me, yeah. and I know, but you're, you're okay with people gaming things. That's fine. <laughs> because every sport games things, every sport, it's a stupid thing for us to say, like, we're going to monitor athletes effort and and dictate but, how they should strategize the weekend. That'd but that's like, what they've said. Like that's what they've to, said. That'd be, that's, but that's a stupid thing to do is what I'm saying. It's like, that'd be like me being like, oh, well, you can't sit the quarterback this quarter because you want to use them the last quarter. Or you can't sit, you know, whoever the best basketball player is on your team 
and rest him up so he can be ready to go in, in the last part of the game. Like that's the dumbest, like then we're not even doing sport. Like what a, we're playing like a video game where they're control it. Like there, there you go. Athletes, it's not, it's just it's, let athletes compete injured if they want to is. And I do think there's oh, a slippery slope there, but hold if, on. if they're going to be like significantly injured or, or die or something like that. And then if they want to game workouts, let him game workouts. If he wants to snatch 95 and BKG is not weak. Like if he could have hit his numbers that he normally hits, that wouldn't have hurt him. 95 clean and jerk, 95 snatch only hurts his performance for the rest of the weekend. But if that's what he needs to do to continue through the weekend to make money or how he wants to run the race, like that's what sport is people. Like it's not just your fitness. It's how you strategize the entire weekend. Well, particular athlete choices on what they're going to do for events. If they're, if they're on the floor competing and they're sanctioned to compete and the, the head judge and the organization has allowed this person to step on the floor to compete, it does not matter to me what that person does in that event. That's my opinion. Unless they have a rule where Max is saying they should have a minimum work requirement. And if that's a rule, then I think that they should enforce it. But if there's no minimum work requirement, I don't care if you go out there and snatch the barbell or clean and jerk the barbell. Like James is saying, it's only going to hurt your own performance through the rest of the weekend. And that's a strategy decision. On the 5K, I don't care that the 5K was short for the athletes. I don't care because Max made a really great point that everybody competed in the same run. What I do think is that having and announcing a 5K event at an event where you have the quote unquote fittest athletes in the world trying to put up times where other communities are going to look at this and go, wow, those times are really impressive or those times are dog shit, whatever. They're going to look at it. To have a 5K that's not really a 5K is just embarrassing for the sport. I think it's a miss. If you're going to say that you're going to run a fucking 5K, it better be 5,000 kilometers. That's what it should be. I don't care if it's different terrain. I don't care if it's a different course every year. I don't care. But to have it be 4.5 kilometers and then call it a 5K, why not just call it a fucking random run? Just call it whatever. We're going to run. We're going to run for 20 minutes and see who covers the most distance, essentially, right? Like it just doesn't make sense to me. It's the same thing with like loading these kinds of errors, like loading the female barbells wrong in the open announcement is just like it's inexcusable. It just doesn't make any sense. How is that not checked or double checked prior to competing? And that's where I think there's holes in some of the fabric of what's going on here. Like the attention to detail on that. And I don't know whose job it was to measure it. And I don't even know if the measurements are hundred percent correct, but it seems like 4.5 was the race that those people ran. Is it crazy that 500 kilometers or whatever it is, wasn't included in the run? No. Like from an athletic perspective, does it really influence how the field might have taken that run and how they paced it? No, not really, because they all thought it was 5K. But I do think it's just embarrassing. I do think it's weird. Then you have all these people posting about it, and that becomes the thing that you pay attention to, as opposed to paying attention to, wow, these people ran really impressive 5K times. Well, they didn't really run 5Ks. They ran 4.5Ks. Well, I agree on the minimum work requirement. I think I agree. I, I think I agree with Max on that too. The minimum having minimum work requirements for events and whatever those end up being, they should be clearly stated. The injury thing I think is really interesting because I mean, if you compare it to other sports like this, you do 
in in league sports, the decisions to compete, uh, like the NFL, the NHL, and MLB, are mostly on the athlete and the organization and the coach. There's not many times in those sports, except for concussion related injuries in the NFL, where they will tell you that you cannot play, you cannot but step on the field. When but have in you ever? MMA, you do have that. You do have referees that make decisions based on vision, based on how the athlete is looking, based on whether or not they can stand, based on whether or not they can compete to defend themselves. Can they actually defend themselves in this fight? And that's a third party decision that's made. The corner of fighters also has the ability to throw in the towel, but that rarely ever happens in MMA and boxing anymore. If you if you pay attention, sometimes you see people going into these fights where the commission hasn't stopped it and the corner hasn't stopped it. And it's essentially you're watching this person getting beat to a bloody pulp and it's horrendous and they should stop it. In let, let, sport like CrossFit, hold on just one second. I do think that you should have a third party governor of whether or not an athlete is so injured that putting them on the floor is a continued risk to them or the other athletes in a way that is dangerous, significant life or limb danger. Now, does Roman's injury get to that point? I probably don't think so. But if he had, let's say he hopped over the log and he banged his head and now he's walking around woozy and like he can't really see where he's going and now he's trying to step on the floor. I think you have a, a completely different discussion there about whether or not he can continue sure. to compete or whether or not he's got a shoulder in an event that he can't put any weight overhead. And now he's going to try and do it. And now he's going to be injured well beyond where he might have been injured in the first place. No, I think this, uh, these are really good points. So first off, I think that the the medical staff at the games is pretty spectacular. We all know Dr. Sean Rocket, who's been on the medical staff for, you know, a number of years. Great, great guy. And I think he actually worked the best uh, with with Roman and, and a couple other athletes. The thing that I just want is standards. The, the thing with CrossFit is that's one of the biggest things that we always talk about, right? Whether it's holding standards in class, there seems to be no standard in the CrossFit games for, for some things. And to me, my biggest thing is, can we make this a legitimate event? I still don't believe it's a sport because sports have set rules, set distances, set points, and that does not exist in the CrossFit games, right? So I don't care which way it is, but there has to be some standard. And that, that to me, again, is the biggest red flag that this year at the games, it was clear there were not standards. There have, there have to be standards. The other thing is how often do you hear about people playing injured and being completely ineffective whenever people compete injured? I think about Kurt Schilling, bloody sock, right? World series. The guy goes out there pitches a crazy game, extremely effective. How often do you hear about professional athletes taking the field and being, being wildly ineffective and continuing to be wildly ineffective in the event? That does not happen. In fact, people get pulled when they're ineffective. Got, so you're, you're saying that you would have liked to see Roman pulled from the field because of his inability to compete in the event. He, he, he can't, he can't. And listen, and th this is, this is the hardest thing, right? Because what ends up happening is there's, there's this, you know, huge 
clamoring and gathering around Roman because of the heart that he showed. I'm not taking anything away from that. The amount of years that this guy took to be able to even make it to the CrossFit Games, like his willpower, his grit, like none of that comes into question, right? But this is the really hard juxtaposition between CrossFit as a quote unquote sport and then like the the community, the family of CrossFit, right? And I think that there's this wonderful gathering around him and people are cheering him on. I think it's really spectacular. But then I think about, and I said this in the text message, Brent Fakowski. You got Brent Fakowski in fourth place who laid himself on the line the last day and doesn't earn a podium spot because this guy was able to continue to compete and not, he couldn't even do the workouts. Yeah, that but he had me, he had he had built up such a yeah, lead. It doesn't take, matter. He did have yeah, exactly. That's why why does it why does it matter, dude? He fucking crushed the weekend. Exactly. Because he'd be he, able to make the strategic decisions on that last day that he wants to make, unless we, there's a rule that somebody steps in and goes, "You that you're not meeting the minimum work requirement, or you're so injured that you cannot do these moves." Right. And so that stuff and that stuff has happened before. It has happened before. before. I don't know what the current rule set is, though. I have to get fact checked, but even and I believe even Fraser in the past has said, like, yeah, I've not taken it easy, but I've rudder adjusted in the final workouts because I know as long as I don't screw this up, I'm gonna win. You know, there was a moment nothing wrong with that. There was a moment in Matt, one of Matt Fraser's final events. It was a handstand push-up workout. I forget where what the exact workout was. It was a handstand push-up workout. Fibonacci finale. The, maybe the Fibonacci sequence or the Fibonacci finale. I was at the games and you could see Matt Fraser, Matt Fraser on the floor taking it all in while everybody else around him was trying to, their hardest to even compete with Matt Fraser going at like 75% of what his capacity was. And there's a moment in that event where he looks at his judge essentially saying, all right, we got to turn it on now. And he turns it on and blows the field out of the water in that final event. That is amazing. Like that, that's a strategy decision for Matt though. Matt's looking around the field and understanding this is what I want to do in this event. And I'm still going to be able to turn it back on and win the event. I'm, with Roman, an in- injury is really interesting because it, they've handled the situation differently in different circumstances. And I don't know what the rule book says about it. I don't know. But I do think there should be a third-party commission, a third-party unbiased, not CrossFit, not the athlete side, just essentially a, like a medical medical Max. team. Max. Yeah, Max Isaac should uh, be the It person. should just be Max. But I there should be a medical I don't, team or a commission responsibility or a board talk shit. that makes the decision. Well, I think that's a whole other important point is like, do you actually want the responsibility of making the decision or do you just want to talk shit? Well, um, then you run into the policy, injury policy for the games. I'm pulling it up. Well, first going. off, we're, we're, we're on, we're on a, we're this on is a essentially podcast, a talk so shit podcast, by the way. Yeah, that's all we do. So it's, cl- it's clear that all fitness, right. the office and yeah. I don't know what else. Beanie baby. Nothing. First off, okay, so you guys the, you guys want the rule? Do you want the rule? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Any athlete who is unable to finish a test due to injury or who requires medical attention following the competi- completion of a test must receive clearance from the medical staff and head judge or on-site director before returning to competition. Mm. The head judge or on-site Proctology director will have the authority to remove the athlete the prox- from the competition the based on the severity of the injury, likelihood of further injury, and other factors. 
So they do have a standard. I think head that's, judge, that's head medical it's discretionary discretion. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I mean, it leads to a lot of subjective, subjective decisions. Exactly. But that's what most of these decisions are in MMA anyway. Like MMA, you're making subjective decisions. Very rarely is it objective. There's like a fine line. Um, I mean, all I'm reading is that you should be greasing the head judge some extra cash so quiche, you get injured. Some extra quiche. <laughs> but I, well, then if you do have a stricter injury rule, you're going to have things like athletes hiding injuries and stuff like that and saying, oh, I just move that way normally and you know, my shoulder's a little bit funky or whatever. What, what do you think's been happening in, in the NFL for however many decades? So exactly. that's not for sure. Know. For sure. All right. So we well, solved, we solved nothing. We solved, we, we, we solved, solved all the we, no, we, we, Max, no, we, Max hates grit and, and community. Oh my God. And... Stop it. No, no, that's, 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 that's not at all. In fact, he's got the courage that... of 10 men. I love that. That was like the, um, the rallying cry for Roman, Roman Krennikov. But that I saw I mean, on social this, media. this is the bummer about it. It's like, it's so fun, you know, it's so it's such like, a, you know, it warms, warms you up to see Roman do this effort, but who, who I would have so much rather seen Roman and Adler just slug it. Yeah. Those last, like, when, I, you know, and I'm sure both of those guys, like you don't want to win, not fighting and, and I'm sure Adler's like, Oh, sweet. You know, lock this one up. But you, I, I do think deep down inside as a competitor, you want to win punching the other guy as hard as you can. Yeah, for sure. And being and punched as hard as no you can. Question. You know, it's like, uh, and that it was, was kind of the bummer, I think, too, is like, uh, I do hope they have, like, I hope Adler is just as good, if not better, next year, which I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, he's, he's been better every year. And I hope he and Roman just get to beat the shit out of each other in yeah. 2024. Um, um, anyway. No, I think that, so, first off, I finally agree with you. It's been a while, but um, <laughs> it the the battle between Adler and Roman before he got injured was awesome, and it was incredibly entertaining. And they are very different athletes, you know. Like the the one takeaway that I had um, after watching the games was just the the separation and how far this thing has come even in the past three to five years you know it's it's spectacular to see performances like Velner, Fakowski, Katrin Davis daughter people well, that we have been we haven't even talked about Olivia Kurtzsetter or Emma Carey or Emma right. Lawson Emma La no I, exactly it, it's, it's, or 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 how about Farlow on the men's side, clean and jerking 396 pounds years at, the, old. at the age of 21, wearing what would appear to be like walking shoes. Like he wasn't wearing lifters or anything like this. <laughs> He's wearing it, his walking shoes? Nice. No, like I swear it was. Keds. Yeah, exactly. He's sponsored by kids. I think, think there were a pair of New Balances. But um, it, the thing that He's was created. Yeah. Healy's the thing, the thing that was, was amazing is to see how strong, how fit, how well-rounded people are and just, you know, making heavyweights look pedestrian. I mean, that's what, and that was one of, one of the other things that I put in our, in our group message was I thought the programming this year did a really good job highlighting the athletes and not completely ruining them. You know, I thought there were really wonderful tests that showed a number of different skill sets, a number of diff different capacities. 
And in a way where it wasn't like, oh, I don't know, they were being woken up at three o'clock in the morning, put on a plane and having to go somewhere to do this whole other thing. And I'm not taking anything away from, you know, Dave Castro and in the, the test that he was able to complete. But again, you know, the common theme, the thing I'm, I'm trying to talk about most is legitimizing this competition, is making this a real a real competition. And to do this, you can't ruin athletes, right? They they should be able to do the competition and it should be highlighting what CrossFit is is all about. And the last thing before before I pass the mic is I thought there were some good ads and commercials for starting CrossFit. There there were there were a couple of really good videos and some good posts I thought on getting people in the door to, to a CrossFit affiliate. And I was really excited to see that um, because that's what it's about. I'm trying to make money, baby. Well, to put a bow on this whole conversation, Wait, we're not obviously, done. no, I know we're not done, but obviously we want to congratulate everybody for stepping on the, the competition floor. <laughs> No, it's it's these are really good um conversations I think. I think the injury one is is the one that I would like to see some clarity. Minimum work requirement would be a cool addition next year and I'm interested to see whether or not they shorten the field to just the top 20 athletes as opposed to the top 40. I think that that's something that could make the event more compelling start to finish. And then you have all 20 pe people compete the whole time. Pay them more. Pay yeah. pay 20 athletes more. Pay him to go to the how, games, man. Like how much? You want to? I think you want to professionalize the sport. As you make you you, we continue to put athletes on, and I people are going to hate me for this. Continue to put athletes on a pedestal, um, even more so, and prop them up. And I know MDV disagrees with me, but I do think having CrossFit Games and calling it CrossFit Games and having it on ESPN, I do think that helps get people into affiliates. Yeah, I think this is a tough one for me because. The general public, I think, is generally uneducated about what they're watching, right? And then when you do have things like Roman Krennikov hobbling around on there on the floor, doing I've been things, waiting. I've been waiting for this. Keep going. Yeah, I I don't think that's a great representation on ESPN or whatever for people to look at and go, oh, I want to try this stuff. Where you got this one guy hobbling around now trying to get a single double under. I also think that some right with that comment, like all the people who watch MMA and now have joined BJJ and MMA gyms after watching guys get their faces yeah, punched in. It's like not you get, so fitness is different me? though, dude. I think fitness is looked at differently by the general public. People don't want to fucking work out anyway. They don't want to get on the floor and do 20 push-ups every day or whatever. Like I, I think that a lot First of 20, what, way too little. Give me more. I think of when people this is my opinion, but when people see CrossFit on TV, they look at it as working out. This is working out. And I don't know whether or not working out is a compelling sport for people, the general public to watch. I think it's going to be an uphill battle. I think specifically it's an uphill battle when you have them do things that are really outside of the bounds of what like normal CrossFit would look like anyway. I, I think those things are strange for people to watch. They're like, what the hell is this person doing over here? They got to do a, a, what's that thing called? Where you get your hips to the bar and turn yourself over there. Uh, college boy roll. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Can, <laughs> Wait, no. 
a, a college boy role. Isn't that a specialty sushi role? Maybe it is. Um, no, anyway. actually, MDB, I agree with you on that as far as the um, widespread interest of watching it as a sport. My point is, I think I don't th- I think if you don't have the games, there's a there's a group of people out there that you weren't going to get anyway to go to CrossFit. But if games yeah. CrossFit's on ESPN and you're showing those cool commercials and you know people are getting inspired to work out, I think you're going to pick up more of those people who do want to work out. I don't think the games is going to convince a lot of people who don't want to work out at all to go work out. Yeah. But I don't think those people are going to go work out anyway. I think that's a really hard group to address. Yeah. Um I anyway. think you could be right. You definitely could be right there. I think that you you find hard chargers, you find people who are like, oh, wow, I want to move from the sport that I'm currently into this. Or, you know, I was always a really good, um, I was better at the training than the actual expression of the support sport that I was in. So I'm going to try this now. Um, yeah, I do think that you attract that demographic for sure. Question. Shoot. What's a hard charger? Somebody who's going to get after it. Somebody who's like, very type a somebody who wants to really go after it in the gym um you know i think that that's the type of person generally that gets attracted by mostly crossfit but like the crossfit games for sure like if you're somebody who's more low-key about your workouts and you're like i just want to go to the gym and i want to sweat a little bit i don't think the crossfit games are making you compelled to go into a crossfit gym and try it out i think you'd be more effective showing that person that this is infinitely scalable, that the games are not really a representation of what goes on every single day in a CrossFit gym, that people are just there to get their best workout every single day. And in most gyms, I would imagine that nobody's really caring about the scores that you get on these workouts and that this is about putting together a training program that will strengthen and um, fortify your body versus breaking it down and have you hobbling through workouts, et cetera, et cetera. That's Only, my opinion. That's something I'm really interested in to know, um, partially selfishly and then partially just because it's kind of the world I'm in right now. But it's like for how long people have been doing CrossFit, what percentage of them still regularly log some sort of whether it's like felt good today, felt like shit today, handsome push them suck, or whether it's a specific score. Mm. I'd love to know like what people log. Um, and how often they do. Cause like Max, I know at your gym, you guys don't write scores on the board. And I don't know either. for me, like I haven't like really tracked workouts in probably since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I know people who like my mom, she puts everything in a, in a journal to a T and, um, you know, I don't know but what you- she necessarily does with that data, but I think that's part of the habit and the ritual around her consist fitness consistency. Um, that, that but James, really oh, sorry, go ahead. no, no, go ahead. No, but James, you have a, you have a good idea of what numbers you like, like on your lifts, right? Like when you, when you lift, like you, you have a good idea of, Hey, this is heavy for me. This is moderate. This is light for me. You know, I think I don't, I don't record things, um, religiously at all the only time that i record workouts is when i'm trying to make the leaderboard at crossfit new england and in that case black and blue baby (laughs) it's not a it's not a leaderboard workout anymore unfortunately uh for those of you that don't know black and blue five rounds 10 power cleans 135 95 10 burpee um 
great workout that James used to crush back in the day was liquid cocaine. Five rounds, five clean and jerk, 155, 105, 10 chest to bar pull up. Was, these uh, names, was in, these epic yeah. CrossFit New England names. Yeah. Surfers well, so on acid. It was, like, it was like chest to bar pull ups and push jerk, shoulder to overhead. Mm, oh, that is, um, isn't that bar? I thought it was bar muscle-ups maybe. It was a heavy shoulder to overhead. I think I want to say it was like 10 down to two and then two yeah. up to 10 of push shirks at like 205, 145. Whoa. And then um, like maybe, or something. Man, maybe, maybe it was chest bars, maybe it was bar muscle-ups, but there, there were a ton of, of benchmarks like that. But that's the only time that I record a workout when I'm trying to, when I'm trying to make it on the good old leaderboard because there is something still so uh, compelling about having your name on a leaderboard for, you know, listen, we've, we've taken away all leaderboards at, at tilt, but now that tilt is back um, at CrossFit New England managing, yeah, we're back managing CrossFit New England. um, I do understand why I liked leaderboarding and, and doing stuff like that. It, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun and continues, continues to be fun. Well, the cool part about the CrossFit New England leaderboard, man, is like that brings back a tremendous amount of nostalgia for me, a tremendous amount of nostalgia, because that was a time period in which that entire gym, everybody in that gym, almost everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but almost everybody was tuned into what was going on with the amazing amount of competitors that were just rolling through CrossFit New England at the time. It was just a unique environment, unique time, unique space, unique a unique location. There were so many factors. It's almost like that book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. There were so many factors that just happened to come together to make that area of Boston a hot spot for elite coaching, elite athletics, and then also just uh, how the communities rallied around all of that to participate in that feeling. And the leaderboard yeah. at CrossFit New England, man, if you made it on there and if you had the top spot for some of those workouts, man, that was like hollowed ground if you got your name up there, which is very, very cool that they're still keeping that up. Yeah, there was so there was a uh, I mean, you're you're 100 percent. Listen, there, there was a point in time like that place was a who's who of of coaches, of of athletes. Again, like, you know, I always I always bring it back to like going into the actually this is this is a really uh really good story so this is um i had been going to crossfit new england for a couple months now james was my 730 coach you know like truly the the guy you know besides umdv that i looked up to the the most um and it was it was like one night james wasn't coaching and he brings in um ben smith and jared davis Mm. and and they're they're about to hit a workout and james goes hey which one of these two guys do you think is like one of the fittest guys in the world and i immediately posted jared davis or pointed jared davis because he's like tan he's good ripped bod. good yeah james, james, james davis like was low. ripped bro yeah yeah james is like no that and lettuce back back in the day i mean ben smith looked like just a regular dude, like truly like a regular 16 uh, year old. Yep, yeah, exactly. Dude. Like, like, like just a regular guy in my mind was completely blown because before you do CrossFit, your idea of somebody who's like the fittest and the strongest, it's like this person has a 12 pack. He's an Adonis. They are like 
completely ripped they're shredded like all this stuff and then you get into crossfit and you're like a guy with cankles and hobbit feet could <laughs> oh, sorry sorry james, james could be could 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 be and is one of the fittest and strongest people that you knew and so it kind of uh forever forever blew my mind but the the thing is really quick before before we pass it and move on to other stuff i want to read everybody a number of the names of the cfne benchmark leaderboards cuz i still have the pictures of the of the old leaderboards oh, here oh wow old so, leaderboards. i don't keep pictures of anything i love that i just keep Except- pictures of firework shows that i watch <laughs> and i go back yeah, and, and watch them at night before i go to bed and concerts that you've seen so we got Adderall, Schlitz, American what Dream. What was Adderall? So these, <laughs> so, for everybody who's listening, nobody who's listening, these are all names of workouts that were on the right. CrossFit New England leaderboard at a time. And this, when we're talking about leaderboard, this was a wall that essentially had whiteboard stapled four, to the wall. Four, four whiteboards. Long, yeah, four humongous whiteboards that were divided by tape and then had handwriting in... Uh, what is it called? Expo marker on the leaderboards. And then when the workout came up at CrossFit New England, you kind of revisited the leaderboard to make sure to look at who are the top times. And then the leaderboard would be updated after the workout, after that day was complete. Because at at the time at CrossFit New England, everybody's name, everybody's name who was in the class doing the workout was put on the board if they wanted it with their score and whether or not you did it as prescribed or made any adjustments. So Adderall is you do it at two o'clock in the morning and you have to write an eight page. <laughs> no, um, you have to write so, an essay, an essay so, about constitutional law. So <laughs> the yeah, James is getting a flashback. So um, Adderall, I believe it's done. First round is on a 10, 10 minute clock, one mile run, max clean and jerks at one thirty five ninety five. Then I think it's um, it must be like rest two or three minutes. Then it's on uh, like a five or four minute clock, eight hundred meter run max power snatch at 115.80. Then there's another rest period. And then it's 400 meter run max thrusters at 95.65. And the score is um, cumulative cumulative reps. Um, So Schlitz is go out, grab a 40, tape it to your hands. Um, No. So anyway, Schlitz, American Dream, Surfer on Acid, The Admiral, Sugar Daddy, which is truly just finding somebody to buy you a car, Black and Blue, Snake Bite, Mind Eraser, Bergeron Beef Test, Satan's Whiskers, Heartbreak Kid, Tiger Blood, Boat boat Race, Freddy Krueger. So so what do you guys think about naming workouts like what do you think about Love naming it. workouts and Hate having it. compelling name james hates it max loves it i will it. say you know you know i i don't want to kiss your ass i do love the nc fit benchmarks or workout names you guys do a great job well we the way that we do it at nc fit is we only really have one workout a week that will have a name and that will either be a benchmark or a workout of the week what a and great when idea. we're talking about workout of the week it's just a workout that we look at the week and we go wow, this workout looks really, really fun. We want to put a name behind it because we want the athletes to come in and be excited about it. We want them to be excited about all the workouts, but there is a moment or an opportunity, I think, to have names for workouts. Benchmarks are named one time a week. We definitely have a name workout, but we don't do it every day. I think naming things every day is a little bit overkill. I forget which programming provider started to name workouts after like fucking birds. It was like, 
Seagull. Ham plan, baby. So Pigeon. I just, what I want to Albatross. say, one month, Albatross. one month on ham plan, Spencer, <laughs> the do you birds, guys remember that guy? The birds killed me. His dude. name was, it wasn't bro science, but he was like a YouTube personality. And so they were all, he did this episode of like all the ways to say you're jacked. And so Spencer program named all the workouts based off of those names. And one of them was like genetic beast lobster. And it was like Abraham swollen or something like they were out of control. Yeah. That broke me that month. Spencer loved it, but that, that broke me. Um, I think if you're going to name workouts, I think that there's like an art and a science behind naming workouts. I really do. I think it's, I think there's something to creating a name of a workout that will be compelling to the people who are doing it. And it, only solidifies like the brand and the buy-in. That's my main um, thing when I'm t- looking at workouts to be named because we've had some discussions on the team and this is not something that we get into arguments about, but like there will be names for workouts that will come up that will be too jokey for me, that will be too far down the line of being like overtly, this is a joke. And I don't think that that's the way to do it. I think that that's a little bit too too much. I think that having a name for a workout that has like something where you look at it and you go, oh man, that's clever. That's really clever that they named it that way. Or when they look at it, they go, holy cow, this workout is named, I don't know, like something like, yeah, that's a good example of a a name. If you're going to name a workout Godzilla, right? That better not be 20 pushups per time. Exactly. It has to represent the type of workout that you want it to feel like, or you want the athletes to experience. I think that that's something that people miss the boat on when naming workouts with nonsense stuff, where it's just like, someone needs to do a Knuff, a Knuff workout. No, I, I, I agree. Max, you saw the Barbie movie, right? So good. You saw it? I didn't see it yet. I didn't. So I, I actually, I actually have a couple of movie reviews that I'll, I was going to put at the, at the end of the podcast. So if we're getting there, just, just let me know and I'll, I'll start to talk close. about it. We had um, somebody DM me today. His name is Colin. He's one of our 10 listeners, Colin. And he, he very out. proudly, yeah, shout out Colin. He very proudly said that this is his 10% opinion on what we should do at the show. He's one of the 10. And he says that he wants us to do long format episodes, two hours plus. What? Bring, I know, right? Who's this guy fucking crazy? I don't, we don't have enough material for that. that. He wants to see people like Seth Page <laughs> and Pat Barber come on and, and be involved in the discussions. I think it's a good idea. I was actually talking to Seth um, this weekend. Um, Seth was at one of the Fallout Boy shows. I had to, I had to DM him and tell him how jealous i was that he got to go to the concert this year because their tour for their american leg was amazing and if you're a fallout boy fan i'm sure you know anyway where were nobody, we nobody nobody loves fall boy more than mdv um no, i've been we're, we're i've been i've been deep in the fallout boy for a very long time deep no we're we're, well, we're just if you were to name a workout fallout boy what would that workout be that would be a really special workout it happens. <laughs> you got to think about that next week. Next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give, give them, give them some time. No, I think yeah. I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I, to, to be perfectly honest, we've named every workout since we opened Tilt because at CFNE, that's what we did. Oh, really? And it's, and, and it's not. That's really not a great reason to do it, right? Which is, oh, this is how we've, we've always done it. Some people like it. Some people don't. Sometimes, like. <laughs> it doesn't I seem coach, to hurt your gyms <laughs> right so like so, sometimes you know. when i when i come into the gym if i'm coaching the 515 i look at the name of the workout and if i don't like it i'll just change it 
everybody's like, oh, I thought we were doing Pennywise. I'm like, no, we're not doing something else. You know, Who like your programming, Max. So actually right now, pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, head coach at our Sudbury gym is is doing the programming, which is the first time in, in eight years we've had somebody other than me write it. Um, wow. And what we and what we do, I'm getting pretty lazy. Um, and so um, we we essentially follow two weeks behind the main site and we'll take m- most of the workouts inspiration from from the main site and then switch some things up. So for instance, tomorrow um, we're doing a workout that I'm really excited for that. That was from the main site, which is 100 box step ups, 100 push ups, and 10 squat snatch at 185, 135. And this is what I love about main site programming. I would never program that workout. And this is a workout that actually makes me a little bit nervous to do. I'm like, okay, should I like take a jump and hit, like try and hit 135 before I go right to 185? Or is it like, just see what I can do? Because I feel like my arms are going to be smoked. James, have you done this workout? Yeah, we did a slightly different version of it. I think we might've finished on cleans just because I wanted to practice cleans instead of snatches. Well, completely different workout. So you didn't do the workout. That's interesting. Sure. Um, Dude, I was talking to Connor, uh, Connor Murphy recently about a workout that we did back in the day at CrossFit New England and this workout, absolutely brutal. Actually, one of the first days that I met Connor Murphy, we did this workout. So everybody knows the workout chief, the chief, which is seven rounds. No. Nope. So it's um, AMRAP three times five. Five rounds. One five minute. Rounds. One one minute rest after every round. Three power clean. Six push up. Nine gotcha. air squat. And you did the version seven. with power snatches. Power snatch. Yeah, dude. Power. I remember snatch. that day. One thirty five in that workout. Holy cannoli is a different workout. Way different workout. Um, we've we've programmed that workout recently, and we brought the weight down to one fifteen eighty, oh. and it and it was. I think it was better, better for for the public because they're able to touch and go most of those snatches. Um, we actually for did another sure. another really cool main site workout yesterday. Twenty one down to three of sumo deadlift high pull and box jump over, which was super fast, super furious. Vin Diesel, lower uh, body great. bonanza there, man. Legs must have been smoked. that's a great name for a workout. Vin Diesel, that's a good name for a workout. <laughs> um, Vin well, Diesel. Listen, so we as call you these at, days. Okay. As, I don't know who you're talking to, but we didn't like it. Neither of us. So, uh, as, <laughs> oh as we're, okay. James doesn't care. James doesn't care about anything. Doesn't care about the length of the 5k. Doesn't care about the name of the workouts. Doesn't care what you call him. So, but you know what? That's cause that's, cause that's chill Hobart. He's chill. Um, so Colorado, I, do, I do care. It's just like, I think there are other things that the games take care of. And also do, are we for sure that it wasn't 5k? Like I didn't, I didn't get into 5k gate. I got into 5K gate a little bit, but a I'm not of, sure about it. how factual <laughs> the uh, rec- the reporting on it is. Oh, James, do you boy. exclusively just have red T-shirts? Is it like we've been it, over this? Yeah, I know, but like it's every every week. Do you, is it just like is your closet just it's every week? You wore that you wore that shirt last week. Is that yeah, the, the sh- shirt you have? I wear the shirt all the time, but it's red. Red is a bold statement when you're putting on a red T-shirt. It's my favorite color. Um, so. First off, we'll we'll do a whole clothing episode because I got a lot of things to fashion talk about here. Fashion show, fashion show. 
fashion, fashion show, show at lunch. lunch. Yeah, office for sure. Oh, um, God. That's a deep cut reference. So I do, I do, want to give a, do want to give a couple movie reviews before we sign off here because I saw two really good movies recently. Um, the Barbie movie. Thought it was really good. And listen, there's there's a ton of back and forth about this whole thing because there's some deeper meanings to it. You know me. I'm not very smart. I like everything at the surface level. So the um, the soundtrack, totally killer. Uh, dance 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 moves off the chart and a lot of silly moments so enjoyed that and then this weekend i went to see the new tmnt movie teenage mutant ninja turtles and that was awesome i heard the yeah the animation was really really good um storyline awesome all the classic characters so um a lot of fun so those are those are my two movie reviews i'd go see that and then um a show to check out is today uh third season of only murderers in the building drops. And if you haven't seen the first two seasons, you should check it out. Um, really, really good. That's with uh, and, Zach Galifianakis. Uh, no, Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman's in it, right? No, Arnold I'm Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Arnold way Schwarzenegger's off. in it. And Lou Ferrigno. Um, and then last thing is uh, album that I've been listening to, just in case anybody cares, is uh, the Harder They Come soundtrack by Jimmy Cliff. So it's a it's an old school, deep cut, very good summer vibes. Put the top down, let your dog hang out the window. Very good. Hell yeah. Max coming in with the recommendations. James, what do you got on deck today, either for music, movies or workout? Um, I already worked out. I believe we did the CrossFit affiliate programming workout, which was uh, AMRAP 12. So, you know, it's going to be a nightmare. It's 12 minutes too long. <laughs> Bad time. <laughs> 10 minutes too long. Um, yeah. Wait till you hear the refs came 36 double unders and then six squat cleans at 135. AMRAP 12? Workout. Yeah. Brr. Oh, my God. Brutal. Did you? Brr. All right, Man. did you did Stomach you hurts thinking about and, that and go singles from the beginning, or did you? No, touch one of the go? things I've been trying really hard to do in workouts because I'm not great at it is not do singles because I'm very good at strategy. So I've been trying to do. Me too. I think the smallest opening set I did was four. Um, <laughs> I think I only had one set where I did singles. Um, that workout is a heart attack. It's it's it so bad. cool. Yeah, the reason great. that I workout do, I got to work out with my mom and yeah. uh, and Cassandra, and so we had a little little family workout, which was kick ass. And were the dogs out there? The dogs were out there. They were really good, man. Um, they were really good. It's about what ninety seconds per round or less, probably in that workout. The double unders, thirty six double unders. If you're good at double unders, probably gonna take you thirty seconds, seconds. Thirty seconds yeah, finished, or less. I finished ten rounds on the nose. Oh, brutal, brutal. That Make sure you record like that. that I, one of the reasons why those workouts, when you have that reaction to something like that, where you see an AMRAP 12, moderate, low, double under, right? It's not a whole lot, 36. And then six squat cleans or hang squat cleans? Squat. Squat cleans with 135 pounds. That workout is terrible for a couple of reasons. Not terrible in uh, it's poorly programmed, but just looking at it, you know there's nowhere to hide in that workout. There's nowhere to go. You go to the jump rope, you do your jump ropes in 30 seconds, you go to the barbell and you're probably still good enough to pick up the barbell for at least three to four reps every single time. And it's just grit at that point and strategy, whether or not you want to do singles, which there's nothing wrong with that, 
but you probably could push yourself to hold on to that 135 pound bar for a couple of reps at least. If that's 155, it's a different workout. It's probably singles the whole time. If it's 115, it's definitely unbroken the whole time. I think 135 for most people in that workout, 135 or 95 would be a good challenge somewhere in the middle of unbroken sets or unbroken big batches of reps and singles. I've been trying a lot harder to just do like little, I call it like little focus, like little workout focuses, regardless of score. Oh, I this think is I could get a better score if I strategize that with singles a little bit more. Um, but I really been, I need to work on cycling a barbell just for my own fitness and, or like something I'll do is like hold a certain calorie or wattage on a bike, or I don't know, just do a certain movement pattern, like to try and focus more on just a specific aspect rather than always like fastest time, highest score. Well, so this is, this is also, see, this is why we actually probably should do long form stuff because we're getting to some really cool stuff stuff here. So this is, I was actually talking to, we have a a new coach going through the on-ramp in Waltham. And I was talking to him a little bit about, you know, motivating your athletes and giving your athletes focus when we don't keep score at the gym. Because I said to him, I said, Hey, this is, really different probably from the last affiliate that you were at because the last affiliate you were at it's it's solely focused on did you r exit what was your score what was your time at tilt we don't do those things so it's it's imperative that while we're writing up our lesson plans we're writing up our focus right and and what is the focus that we're going to give these athletes on this day and this is something james obviously for somebody like yourself you've been you know working out for you know however long this comes supernaturally to you as an athlete and as a coach this is something that newer athletes or even veteran athletes at your affiliate may not even really think about right because they're their big thing is like, Hey, how can I beat MDV in class? How can I beat James in class? Like that's going to be my thing where you can, I believe, um, by giving your athletes a real focus for every workout, you're increasing their longevity and fitness, right? By for sure. Oh, I thought you had more to say. I thought you're no, going no, to interrupt I didn't me again. You, I just wanted to like, like daps. Give you a little, yeah, a little dap. But especially yeah, if, you no. know, if you, you're already capable of beating somebody, like you should handicap yourself a little bit or challenge yourself to look at the workout in a different way. Well, that's never happened to me. So I'm always the, trying to beat you. So the, let's. The ultimate <laughs> guiding principle, I believe, is w- w- having the ability to. Un- so there's an experience level and a threshold in which I believe you have enough workouts under your belt, you know, movement, you know, your body enough where you can start to make these decisions on your own. That takes a really long time. And I don't think it's. It's not linear for everybody and it's shorter for some people. It's longer for others. But if you don't know, if you're, if you're not able to think about those things in those terms yet, the best thing to do is to talk to your coach and ask them, what would be a good thing for me to focus on today in this workout? Or if they're, if you don't have the idea about how to either approach this workout from a strategy perspective, how should I approach this workout? But I think ultimately, once you have that number of reps under your belt, you've done so many workouts that you really understand your body, the movements. You also understand the uh, the programming, the methodology. You understand what it's asking you to do. At that point, any workout that you walk into, I do believe that you have the opportunity to either manicure that workout, to change it a little bit, to look at it and go, oh, this is the thing that I want to actually focus my energy on a little bit more. Oh, I'm going to challenge myself in this way. 
or I'm going to reduce or increase my intensity because of how I feel. I think all of those things come with experience in the program. Mm. And understanding and listening to your body is the most important thing in that whole equation. So if you're just starting out with your journey, you're just starting to do these workouts, take mental notes or even take actual notes about like how you felt for some movements or how you felt doing this type of workout, this time domain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of it plays a really important role. Max is now breaking out a cutting board. Is that a potato? No. It's just a mango. It's a mango. Yeah. Oh, look at that cut Brooklyn knife. Oh, you guys are so fancy. How did you know that was a cut Brooklyn knife right away? Because I know, I know, I know good craftsman quality craftsmanship, man. You know, oh, greatness this is a, this when is you see super, it. This is a super important point, but um, also because I think that if you were to like categorize the category of athletes who go to CrossFit, I think there are so many intermediate athletes. Like for sure, intermediate is just a big swath. And I think after a long time, you're going to get fitter just by showing up. But I also think it's okay. It's like in today's workout. I believe even if I did singles and could have gotten like, let's say 11 rounds, I believe I had more value to me short-term, long-term, my fitness by only getting 10 rounds and doing it with touch and go. Like, and I, I think I'd have I a agree. hard time of believing someone who said that that's not the case. You know, it's Hold like, on. so I, I have a counter argument to that, or at least a point. So mm. the reason you thought it was a good workout for you today was because you specifically tested your ability to hold on to the barbell maybe when you didn't want to hold on to the barbell, right? Like you, you could have done singles and maybe moved a little quicker through some of those reps, but because you held on, you had, you had to rest at certain points, right? You had to rest to let your grip recover, to let your lungs recover a little bit. Just lungs, man. Just put my heart lungs, exploding yeah. out of my chest. So I think from a, um, this is, this is something we've talked about before, but like if you were to do singles in that workout, and you were to really like hold the squat for an extra half a second and stand up all the way in the barbell on your shoulders and then drop it back down and do singles in that way. Who knows what your score would have been, but it's undeniable that there's time under tension there that you're increasing. You're almost making the movement more like a tempo movement, right? Like you're intentionally holding the bottom position, intentionally standing up a little bit slower maybe than you would. And the barbell instead of bopping it off of your shoulders before bop. you stand up, bop it off, right? Everybody knows that little bop off maneuver. You're like shoulder shrug the fucking barbell off your chest and you're three quarters of the way up. I think that there's an argument to be made that like physiologically, you can get a better workout by slowing down a little bit, specifically through the weighted movements versus going ham on all of the movements, including the weighted movements. I understand that the program demands intensity. I understand that you might not get the best score on the workout. What you're talking about is still intensity. I think this is a really important point to hammer down on. It's like, there is an optimal intensity and variance for results. For sure. <laughs> like, anyway, I think, I don't think, I don't think what you're saying is like, off of the methodology. But I think I don't uh, I wouldn't say it's off the methodology, but I think it's off of how the program is implemented on a daily basis for some people where every workout is RPE 10. Every workout that you go into, you just are spit flying off of your face in the first few seconds of the workout and just trying to hammer yourself. And I don't think that that's necessarily the way to get the best results. 
For, <laughs> yeah, dude, we can't be making well, this a family podcast. Well, is that there's no video though, right? No, and, and, there's video that, starting this week. Oh, oh is that no, is kidding. that is that is that really happening? Like, I don't I don't think this is happening at at affiliates. Like, I I I would think after however however many years this is no longer happening at most affiliates where people are coming in and every single day just completely burying themselves you know i i i have faith that you know coaching has come along in the past decade plus to the point where we're talking to our athletes in a more thoughtful way about what they're looking to get out of it i mean this just comes back to talking about focus, right? So here's a great example. So we're actually doing a leaderboard workout at CrossFit New England today, the workout boat race, three rounds, 500 meter row, 400 meter run, rest three minutes. And I put the focus for, I put the focus for the coaches today on blowing themselves up in the first, no, I'm just kidding. I put the focus for, for the coaches today on teaching athletes how to row at a lower stroke rate, sub 30, so they can get off the rower and run at whatever uh, appropriate clip is for them, right? So the coaching point, the focal point for the athletes should be getting better at rowing today, rowing going into another monostructural thing, not, you know, hey, we're, we're going to maximize our time by doing X, Y, and Z. It's, can we actually get better at rowing today? So, mm. um, no, I don't know. I, I, I would just like to think that, you know, coaches aren't telling people to kill themselves every day because it obviously, I mean, maybe it could work, it worked for a while for me in the beginning. Yeah. I think it works until a certain point and then your body says, this isn't going to work anymore. Right. And that's well, where just, I think, I think it, it shows you how powerful variance is, even in variance of approach to the workout and, and long term, how important that is for for learning about yourself and learning about others and taking <laughs> care of people. No, but I mean, just learning about how to navigate the program and get the best result out of it for you. I think, you know, variance of approach and strategy is also crucial. It's just I got in an argument, not an argument, mm, discussion with ooh. a young lady one time at a seminar because um, I was like, hey, you should try and do your burpee with a you know, I was mansplaining with your arms straight and clap overhead. And she said to me, why would I do that? It's faster if I just keep my arms low and clap behind my head. And my point was, is I think if you haven't been trying the arm straight clap way over your head, that extra range of motion, if you can get faster there, will make your low behind mm. the head clap burpees even quicker. You know, I don't know. And maybe not, whatever, let her run her own race. At the end of the day, I don't really care. It's just food for thought. Exactly. At the end of the day, Chill James doesn't care. And if you've learned anything today on this podcast, it's to let more things roll off your back. Be more like a duck, right? Let water roll off your have back. Have like a squiggly penis. Oh my God. Isn't that's that what don't ducks have like a really weird screen? Right. Phallus. This is a family podcast. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, wasn't going Hobart. there. Yeah, things that I was thinking about being more like a duck, letting water roll off your back, travel in packs, maybe eat some bread. Um, yeah, I don't know. Stuff like that. Jared Davis, really who we brought up earlier on the podcast, used to call this being an otter back, otter, O-T-T-E-R, and just letting the water flow off your back as you float downstream. Would you otter rather back. be an like otter? Gator backs. Gator backs. Would you rather be an otter or a duck? I'd probably otter rather be sure. a, probably rather be an otter. Um that is so before we sign off, um, let's just go around and everybody say their favorite mammal. 
I had oh. to think about what a ma- mammal was. Oh, human. For a second there. Maybe human yeah. being. Then. Probably human being. I'd go with human being. Oh, my God. All right. Actually, you know what? We want to be human livings, not human beings. Get out there and live today, <laughs> folks. <laughs> I just want to be. I just want to exist. Oh, my know, God. Like you guys a, are not like fun. Human, dog, elephant. No. No, we're not. You, you can't pick a human. Heffalump. You can't. A woozle. <laughs> It's got the body of a walrus and the head of a, <laughs> of a sea lion. <laughs> a hippogriff. Um, I'm gonna All right, go we're with... getting off the rails here. What's your favorite mammal? I didn't even get the same one. Oh, okay, get your favorite Star mammal out. Um, I'm going to go with the honey badger. Because the, Every... the, hun- the honey badger don't care. And that's oh, okay. the... That's, yeah, that's the... Bringing it back a few years ago when everybody was hot <laughs> on the honey badger. No, I was just trying to bring it back to the point of this podcast, which is just to take it easy. Take don't it take relax. It's just don't, don't don't take yourself too seriously. All, All right. right, fellas. Thank you very much for your time. I will talk to you next week. See ya. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go. Let's go.